Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about why you should be willing to delegate, and we'll debut our first before and after segment. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, the four tendencies, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, I was so happy when I got to see you, even for just a few hours, when I was out in L.A. recently. Yes, that's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretch, um, I'm feeling like you're practically living in L.A. You've been here so much. I feel like you uh, you need to get an apartment out here. I know. It's been fun to be visiting you so much. Yeah. By the way, Gretch, I'm having some technical difficulties today, so I may not sound as crystal clear as I usually do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, Well, before we launch in, we had this great story of an oasis, which was a Try This at Home that we discussed in episode 141. And so our listener, Jennifer, had a great example of how she found an oasis. Yeah, she said, my oasis used to be the bane of my existence, the primary school car pickup line. I used to arrive a generous 15 minutes before the bell to wait in line to pick up my kids. The process is a system that runs smoothly and safely if everyone follows the system. As we all know, there are always people who refuse to follow the system, (laughs) barging through the line as if they are the only ones who matter. I'm embarrassed to say this used to cause me great strife, and I found myself getting extremely stressed out every single day. I finally decided to go 40 minutes early, which allows me to be ahead of the masses who frustrated me. I actually bought a paperback fiction novel and spend my 40 minutes lost in an imaginary world. I gave up reading for fun a while back because I felt guilty with so many things to do as a mother of four. Now, instead of dreading the pickup line, I look forward to the time that I am forced to lay down my to-do list and feed my soul. So how awesome is that? That is great. You know, double gold star, because not only did she find an oasis, but she turned something that was a big drag, like whatever the opposite of an oasis is, the garbage dump, into an oasis. So she was able to reclaim this time by thinking through, well, what would make it work better? And then how would I use that time properly? It's such an ingenious solution. Yeah, I love that. So, and I believe me, we all, well, maybe <laughs> not you because you don't, dri- you don't drive in New York, but many of us can relate to the problem of the school pickup line and the drop-off line. Oh my gosh, I remember it from childhood. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We should have a whole thing that's carpool line hacks. Oh, we should. <laughs> so this week, our Try This at Home tip is be willing to delegate. And Elizabeth, I have to confess that this is an example of do what I say, not what do what I do, because delegating is something that I really, really struggle with myself. Mm-hmm. But actually, when when I was thinking about delegation, Elizabeth, I was thinking about you and hosting Thanksgiving and the issue of delegating. Yes, Scratch. Um, we are hosting Thanksgiving this year for the first time. And this is very exciting, but it's terrifying because, as you know, I don't cook. So we said right off the bat, we're not cooking. So no one's expecting like me to be, you know, whipping up the mashed potatoes. Right. But it's still very overwhelming. And my sister-in-law, Michelle, texted me saying, um, do you want me to bring a ham? Because we had discussed having ham and turkey. 
And my initial instinct was to say, no, don't bring the ham. I'll get the ham, you know, and sort of feeling like I should do everything myself. But luckily, before I texted that back, I thought, wait a second. (laughs) I'm going to have so much to do, especially like the day of Thanksgiving and before the day before Thanksgiving. It would be a huge help if Michelle got the ham and brought it. And so I said, oh, that would be great. And she is bringing the ham tomorrow. And I have to say, it is such a load off my mind knowing I don't have to like drive to get a ham Mm -hmm. on top of driving to get everything else. So there I was proud of myself for delegating, although it was her idea for me to delegate. I had the good sense to say yes. Well, and the thing with delegating is sort of side note that this brings up is that when you allow others to give, you give them the pleasure of contributing. And so she might enjoy Thanksgiving more knowing that she somehow contributed to the whole feast. And so it's not necessarily like always saying no makes everybody's lives better. Maybe they want an opportunity to contribute or to give. So that's a side advantage of delegating. But I think the main advantage of delegating is that if you want to do everything yourself or you feel like you have to do everything yourself, it limits you because no one can do everything themselves. And yet, I think for people like me or for a lot of people for a variety of reasons, it's hard to let go of things and to say, okay, I'm going to move this responsibility from my desk to your desk. Well, and this is a huge problem on television shows. Probably one of the number one issues that we have, um, just the collective we in Hollywood, is people trying to do everything on a television show and micromanaging, and you just can't. So the time just goes And suddenly all these big important things won't have been done because a person has spent so much time micromanaging the little details. You mean like the show's creator or the showrunner? It's like, I need to make every decision or everything has to go through my hands or I have to rewrite everything. Yes. And I understand the impulse because, you know, this is the biggest thing in that person's life and they want to do a good job and they feel all the pressure. But the truth is one person cannot do everything. And so you've got to be able to delegate tasks. So because I really made a bigger push to think about delegating and how I could delegate, here are the questions that I've started asking myself. And it has it has really been helpful, I have to say, since I've started thinking about it. One is, does this thing need to be done at all? So am I doing something that doesn't need to be done at all? You know, whether that's something from rearranging the dishwasher to filing or doing certain kind of social media posts could this thing just be eliminated altogether so nobody had to do it? Mm-hmm. That's the simplest thing. And then the, mo- the more important question even is, is this something that only I can do? There are certain things that only I can do, or there are certain things that only the show's showrunner can do. But then there are other things that other people can do. Yeah. And this came up because, you know, my theme for 2017, Elizabeth, was repurposing. Yeah. And I haven't done a very good job with repurposing. And I was thinking, I need to think about how could I delegate a lot of the work of repurposing, which a lot of it would be going through all my archives and just putting things into buckets by subject. That's Mm. not something that I have to do. I would need to polish it and put the final form on it, but I don't have to do that part of it, which is very time consuming. So that's making me think I need to delegate that. And do you think you can bring yourself to delegate? Do you think you can follow through? Yes, I do. Because I have started, because again, I'm asking myself these questions. And the and the next question is one that's also helping me wrap my mind around the fact that I need to do this, which is, would delegating help me fulfill my mission in a better way? And the uh. fact is, if somebody else helped me like putting the stuff in these rough buckets, then I would have more time to do a re- original writing and original thinking. And so I would be doing my own work better if 
I didn't have the labor of doing this other work that someone else could help me with. That's a really great point, because you don't want to not do what you really should be doing because you're sort of wasting your time on something that's important, but that doesn't have to be done by you. Right, right. Well, and here's the thing that I've kind of realized about myself, too, is that I think sometimes not delegating is about control and, you know, wanting to do everything yourself and being like as an upholder, like, I know if I did it, I would do it right. And so I don't have to worry that somebody else doing it to my standard. But I also think it's a little bit about procrastination. Like, it's Mm. really fun to just look through my archives for everything related Mm -hmm. to clutter clearing. That's really fun. And it feels like work. And so sometimes I think I I will do something to get a quick hit. Mm, That makes sense. Whereas other work that only I can do is probably a lot more challenging. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm sure that I could be guilty of the same thing. If I had, if I had archives, I'm sure I would be doing <laughs> the same thing. Um, now, I will say there are some tasks like Adam and I don't always agree on what we should delegate. Ooh, interesting. Like what? I would like to have someone doing our laundry because, you know, I just feel like it constantly needs to be get done. And I'm, you know, always doing it at like 11 o'clock at night. But Adam feels very strongly that everyone should do their own laundry. He just doesn't approve of having someone else doing laundry. And it bothers him so much that I just say, okay, fine, I'll do my own laundry. Well, so here's something interesting. So speaking of the four tendencies, one thing I've noticed about the obliger tendency is they often will have tasks that they feel cannot be delegated Like I was talking to somebody who was like, well, I have to mow my own lawn. And I'm like, why do you have to mow your own lawn? And he's like, because how could I possibly ask somebody else to mow my lawn? But his wife got around it in a really clever way. She told the teenager down the street that they were going to hire him to mow the lawn and he was saving money for college. Mm. So her husband was like, well, okay, I'm going to let this teenager mow the lawn because now he's counting on the savings to help pay for college. So that allowed him to release the idea that he should do his own lawn mowing, lawn care. But it's an interesting pattern in obligers that there's certain tasks that it's like, I can't ask somebody else to do this. It just seems attached to them personally in some way. Like it can't be properly delegated. It feels like there's a moral uh, component. Like it's just morally wrong to ask someone else to do these things. Well, and the thing that's interesting is we often see in the other, in among the tendencies, the other tendencies aren't sympathetic to that. Mm-hmm. To their obliger, they're like, well, do it if you want to do it or don't do it. But don't ask me to help because you're doing it because you want to. They don't understand how from the obliger's perspective, there feels like there's this great weight of expectations. So, again, if you're experiencing that aspect of delegation, it might be related to the obliger tendency. I mean, I have it as well from sort of an upholder way. It's a lot going on with delegation. It's a complicated thing. It is. And I must point out, Gretch, Adam does his own laundry. You know, it's not like he's asking me to do it. He does his own. So... But he's asking you to do your own laundry. Yes. And he's asking me to do mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm really interested to hear, do people have hacks that they've used to help themselves delegate? Do they have things they feel like they can't delegate? It's one of these things that once you start thinking about it, it gets sort of more and more complicated the more you ponder it, I find. Yes. I am a big fan of delegation because, like I said, I've seen over the years what happens when people don't delegate. It can really lead to a disaster. So um, I'm a big fan. Right, right, right. Well, so let us know if you do try this at home and how being willing to delegate works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. This is happiercast.com slash 144 for everything related to this episode. 
Coming up, we've got a delegation-related happiness hack after this break. Do you wonder what Donald Trump says to the reporters he calls up in the middle of the night? Phone rings and it's Trump's assistant and she says, Mr. Trump is on the phone for you. Hold on. And that's the thing. It's like he just calls. Maybe you wonder why liberals sometimes seem so intolerant of opinions other than their own. There's an orthodoxy you're supposed to conform to. And if you don't, you become a bad, evil person. Maybe you're the sort of person who wonders if we're ready for the next global pandemic. The most dangerous scenario is where something breaks out somewhere else in the world and then it's coming into the U.S. I'm Jeffrey Goldberg. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, and I want you to join me on my new podcast, The Atlantic Interview, where I ask all these questions and more of Bill Gates, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, Maggie Haberman, and many, many others. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Elizabeth, we were talking about the power of delegation, and this is a happiness hack that takes a lot of its power from delegating in that it's about figuring out a way to let others do work instead of you doing the work. Yes, this came from Courtney. She said, my family is always asking for updated photos of my children. In the past, I've had to ask them which photos they wanted me to print, what size, black and white, how many copies, etc. This drove me nuts. My rebel spirit would kick in and the simple task turned into a major happiness stumbling block. By the time I would reluctantly print the photos and found time to visit family, all live about an hour away, my kids had grown two feet and already needed updated photos. I had an aha moment while ordering prints of my own from my local pharmacy. I made a generic account and password and shared the new login info with family. Once logged into the pharmacy website, they can choose which photos they want from my uploads, what size and quantity, all with a click of a button. Once they submit the order, they can pick up at the location nearest to them and pay on site. Now my parents and grandparents get frequent photos. I don't have to worry about paying for the photos, and it saves me from having to go out with two little ones. As Michael Scott would say, win, win, win. Michael Scott being a character from your favorite show, The Office. Yes, I so appreciate the, the, the Michael Scott reference. Yes, everything in the world is related to something that happened on The Office. Win-win is number four. And number five is win-win-win. The important difference here is with win-win-win, we all win. I love this hack because the fact is when people can just hand you homework and be like, hey, can you do this for me? I mean, what is easier than that? And when you can fix it so they just can do whatever they want to get whatever it is that they want, I mean, that's a good solution. Yeah, it's great. And it's like, as she said, it's win, win, win. Like, they're happy. She's happy. She's delegating. It's fantastic. And it's timely. If they want it right away, they can get it right away. They don't have to wait for her. So everybody can suit themselves. And it's such a simple solution once you realize what would be necessary for everybody to share these photographs. Yeah. And Elizabeth, speaking of The Office, you just interviewed Pam, one of my favorite characters from The Office on Happier in Hollywood. That was amazing. Yes. Episode 27. Everyone check it out. She has a great book about being an actress in Hollywood, sort of how to make it from the ground up. And she is just awesome. Yeah, I love Jenna Fisher. Elizabeth, I'm so excited that we have our first segment 
of before and after. And as we talked about last episode, we're introducing this segment at the suggestion of one of our listeners where we give examples of people who have tried something at home that has really worked for them, that has really changed their lives in some significant way, because we can all learn from these stories. When you hear what worked for someone else, a lot of times you get ideas what can work for you. And it's also just, I think, energizing and uplifting to hear about people who have given themselves a big rush of happiness. Yeah, Gretchen, I wanted to share this before and after story that came from a mom whose life changed from applying the four tendencies, from understanding that her daughter was a rebel, and she wanted to be anonymous. But here's her story. She said, I had to write to you today because I am a rebel raising a rebel who is having a hard time in school. She is seven in second grade just like my son. After a phone call from her teacher, I drove to the bookstore, bought a copy of The Four Tendencies, put post-it notes on the rebel chapters, highlighted passages I really wanted her, the teacher, to read, wrote notes in the margins, and sent two other emails. I felt like you wrote a manual on my kid, and I was so grateful I could just give it to the teacher. As a fellow rebel, I know intuitively how to handle her, but it's so hard to explain it to others. And you wrote a book I could highlight, wrap up, and put in her hands. Words cannot describe what this does for a mama. I hope that as a fellow mom, you can understand what your work has meant to us. We had a parent-teacher conference today, and her teacher said she thought all teachers should read your book and later said that it would make a great book club for teachers. She is still butting heads with my kid, but my precious baby girl says her teacher is yelling at her a lot less, and she is crying less in class since we gave her your book. I'm almost crying myself right now. How awesome is that? I know. I'm almost crying myself, you know, because it is so thrilling to think that my framework was so helpful because we all know that feeling as parents when you so want your child to be comfortable in school and you so want that feeling that the teacher gets them and can connect with them. And it's so thrilling to think that the book was able to kind of bridge a gap or to help connect people in that way. Yeah, I mean, that can have a huge impact getting along better with your teacher. I mean, that can change her daughter's whole learning experience in second grade. So that's just huge, Gretchen, all because of uh, your chapter on rebels. Well, and I think it's interesting that the rebel mother is like, as a rebel mother, I understand her nature. And so again, it's like when you understand it, then you can find those ways of connection. And so it's just having a vocabulary. It's not that one person is right and one person is wrong or that anybody needs to change. It's like, well, if we understand what's going on here, we can figure out how to find solutions that work for everyone. And so it's so wonderful that this mother was able to say, well, this is why this teacher isn't getting my child. And how can I help her understand? And it's and gold star to the teacher for being receptive. Yes. Because I think, I mean, was she excited to get like a book handed to her with all the post-it right. notes and the highlighting? Probably not. But she uh-huh. sounded like she was really receptive to it and wanted to hear and connect with the parent and to try to find solutions. So it's a thrilling story on many levels because everybody's working so hard to help this seven-year-old find her way in school. Yes. So keep those before and after stories coming. We love reading them. They're um, they're very inspirational. They are. And Alyssa, you pointed out this song to me. Um, and speaking of like a rebel mother with a rebel daughter, I mm-hmm. feel like we have to play a clip from Portugal Demand's Feel It Still that has a chorus that makes us think of rebels.
So now for a listener question. Uh, as always, leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or 77-HAPPY-336 or email us at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Gretch, this week a listener um, wrote in with a question that we actually get a lot. She said, I just started binge listening to your podcast. I'm five episodes in and I felt compelled to reach out with a troublesome question. Are some people predispositioned to simply never be happy? I keep reaching milestones in my life, my career, my marriage, where I found myself thinking once I reach blank, I'll be happy. Alas, still reaching, still wanting. So this is an interesting question, and there is a theory called the set point theory, which says that people have a set point and they go up or they drift down, but they always go back to that set point. Mm-hmm. But but I think it's more helpful to think about it as a range. 50% of your happiness is genetically determined, and then 20% to 30% is life circumstances, like education, health, marital status, income, things like that. And then the rest is a result of our conscious thoughts and actions. So somebody might be like a four to a seven or someone might be a seven to a 10. That's their range. So you're not going to change your range, but you might be able to do things that would push you up to the top of your range or might force you down to the bottom part of your range. So that's where you want to start thinking about it. But she also mentioned something specifically, which is the I'll be happy as soon as I blank. Mm-hmm. And I did a like a, mi- a list of 10 myths of happiness. And this is myth number eight. And it's also called the arrival fallacy. It's the idea that if I would only arrive at a certain place, then I would be happy. If I got my new job, if I got a promotion, if I got a new house, if I moved to a different city, if I get married, you know, once I graduate from college. But the problem is that just it usually doesn't work out that way. You get to your destination and it's not like all of a sudden you're magically happier. Yeah, this is where um, one of our dad's favorite phrases comes in, which is enjoy the process. Yes. (laughs) You better enjoy the process because, you know, once the process is done, it's not like you're then magically everything's going to be wonderful. Right. So, yeah, and try to enjoy now, enjoy the process, because if you can be happy during the process, then the arrival part of it doesn't matter. Another thing that the listener added, which was interesting, was that while she was in the Air Force, She was working out all the time, but then later on, she quit going to the gym, which had bad consequences for her health and her happiness. And clearly, like getting regular exercise is something that tends to boost happiness. So if that's your experience, like in the Air Force, no problem. Now that you're not not on active service, it is a problem. I would say this is probably an obliger. So get that out of accountability that you need for exercise. And you might find that getting back into that habit of regular exercise would boost your mood. But you need that outer accountability because that's what obligers need. No big deal. There's lots of ways to get that accountability. So maybe try to plug that into your life. Yes, because what more accountability can you have than being in the Air Force? You know, that's a lot of accountability. So um, I do think that would help her to get to get that accountability. Right. Well, so if you want to read the 10 common myths about happiness, I will put it in the show notes uh, for today, which again is happiercast.com slash 144. Great question. Yes. Coming up, I give a gold star to Elizabeth. But first, this. It's time for demerits and gold stars. And Elizabeth, this is an even-numbered episode, which means it's your turn for a demerit. Yes. Um, and Gretchen, this is um, a smoothie-related demerit. 
Um, on Happier in Hollywood, I talked about my awesome new smoothie blender and my smoothie delivery service, um, which is called Green Blender, which I love. And they send you, it's very L.A., they send you like packets of ingredients to make really healthy, delicious smoothies. The problem is I'm doing what I've done with other things in the past, which is now I have a backlog of smoothies. I'm not using them fast enough because, you know, for one reason or another. And so, like, I feel all this guilt that I'm, you know, piling up smoothie ingredients. That is the most unbelievably Hollywood-type issue that I have ever heard of, that you have a smoothie like packaged smoothie backlog problem. Yes. Yes. I have these all these wonderful ingredients like flaxseed and goji berries and you know, all these, you know, hemp powder, all these things waiting for me and I need to use them. Listen, maybe you should serve smoothies for Thanksgiving. That that would that would eat into your backlog. Yes. Dinner for sixteen, smoothie style. That would definitely get rid of my smoothie backlog. Okay, Gretchen, it is time for your gold star. Now, Lizeth, also Los Angeles related, I wanted to give you a gold star because I was recently out in Los Angeles and um, I saw you in the morning. It was a very short visit. I saw you in the morning and then you called me as you were heading home from work and you were like, do you want to get together for dinner? And the fact is it was already like 6 or 7 p.m. Los Angeles time. And I was thinking... What a loser am I if I have to say no? I, I, you know, you live in Los Angeles. I'm here. We should have dinner. But I was so tired because of the time change. But you said something like, but maybe you're too tired to go out. What, what do you think? And I was like, you did not make me feel like a killjoy. You didn't make me feel like I was hurting your feelings. You didn't make me feel like I, I wasn't just bucking up and dealing with it. Because I really do feel the, the the time change hits me really, really hard. And so I was so glad that I had such an understanding sister. So I didn't have to feel bad about the fact that I was basically going to um, turn out the lights at 8 p.m. in my hotel. <laughs> well, I will say I happen to have known that you were up at 3.15 that morning. <laughs> so I was sort of doing the math in my head. And I also know when you sort of start slurring your words that you've got about another 15 minutes in you. So I had a feeling that the dinner was going to be a little bit like lackluster. Um, you know, so I wanted to give you an out, but I, I'm glad that you appreciated your, your out. Yes, 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 yes. That's right. If you wanted to have breakfast at 6 a.m., I could have done that. But right. <laughs> That's true. And I appreciate that you didn't ask me to do that. There you go. It's all about, you know, understanding the other person's perspective. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Be willing to delegate. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Instagram at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Liz Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. If you like this show, as always, it's such a help to us if you tell a friend and subscribe to us in iTunes. Um, the resources for this week, okay, I have to give myself a demerit because I should have reminded everybody about this sooner. Um, but if you are giving one of my books as a gift during this holiday season, if you email me, I can do a, a free signed personalized book plate or signature card um, if a person uh, is getting an ebook or an audiobook. 
but let me know right away because it takes me some time to get these things out and they are literally like a physical thing that I have to mail to you. And so um, I really should have brought this up sooner to remind people that that's available for the holidays. If you're, if you're, And also you could do it for yourself if you would like to have one for yourself, but then there's no time pressure for it. But if you'd like to have them for the holidays, let me know as soon as possible. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us Onward and Upward. By the way, this is my new favorite song. I love that song. It, on Jack's pop, the pop station I listen to with Jack every morning. Ooh, ooh, I'm a rebel nest for kicks now.